Headphones Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am Joe Prano coming to you live from the Smut Studio here in Venice Beach, California. The final episode in what has been a wild run of the Dirty Sports Podcast. The final episode without our captain, Andy Ruther. But that does mean that I am once again joined by Tower 2 of the Twin Towers, the Dream Team, Mr. Tug Coker. Hello, Joe. I'm obviously the Samson to your Olajuwon. <laughs> People were scared for a second. You, you come in saying this is the last show. People well, are like, wait, wait, what a second. Yeah, this is wait the, a la- the last episode before the return of Ruther. Oh, my gosh. Return I, of the Mac. Uh, no, we, everyone, no, Nick's here as well, we should say. Nick's here. No twerks today. And I can, I can probably say with confidence that we've all been talking to Andy on text. Last night he was texting me incessantly about football. I know that he's been uh, getting some, some time with his family back at home, but I also know He's ready to come back. Yes. I think he, he's itching. <laughs> he's itching to come back and go to work. I think, you know, like like Brett Favre on Monday Night Football, you know, I think that the best way for him to overcome, uh, you know, some family trauma is to just get right back to work, put up his best performance ever. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's chomping at the bit. He's like, he's sending me, he's like, I'm doing a deep dive on quarterbacks. I've got, I've got. I think it was like Breeze, Rogers, uh, Russell stats since somebody's last Super Bowl. I was like, save it for when you come back, Just buddy. Say, I know exactly. I, I was like, like, sit on it. Keep keep putting keep putting your thing together. I see him doing Charlie on It's Always Sunny. There's a big <laughs> big board behind him. He's all drived up. Obviously, Tug. Um, the the major news from the weekend is uh, Championship Sunday was yesterday. The Super Bowl is upon us. Um, I think we, I mean, the show's going to be heavy football just because really when I looked around, not a ton else happening, a little college basketball. Thank God I've got you here. Um, a little NBA trades, the MLB, uh, stories at this point are basically, um, it's still, Dusty Baker. Yeah. Still making it, it's basically just still fallout from, yeah. uh, you know, garbage can gate sign gate. Um, who's going to take over to manage the the uh, the Astros, the Red Sox, the Mets, all managerial positions that opened up in the last week due to sign gate. So uh, we, we'll start with the only place we can start. Championship Sunday was yesterday. We had uh, Chiefs-Titans to start the day. Did Chiefs-Titans go pretty much how you thought it would? I know you were originally on, you got to take the points, but then you came around... Uh, you you threw that last minute Twitter. I said this yesterday. I mean, I said this on the podcast last week. You know, I'm still gathering information, and in the last minute, I did throw out, and partially it was due because I love to fade. When people kind of get on the underdog, when people start to try to convince themselves the underdog may be the right move, I want to get off that ship. And I sent a picture on Twitter. I sent to you first because we had the same thing with the Vikings Niners. When every guy, every every uh, expert on get up, picked the Vikings to beat the Niners. Yeah, 
and then uh, an uh, NFL countdown or whatever, game day for ESPN, four out of the five people had picked the Titans. I said, this is not acceptable. This is not going to happen. How are those guys honestly like, how does that even happen? I just feel like people want to get cute sometimes. And it, it is cool. Whenever you pick up the upset, like, you look good. Yeah. Yeah, especially if it comes through. It's got to four of the five of you guys. Yeah, when we're all sort of saying the same thing, and you got to like, I feel like the same thing happens sometimes with Clemson uh, and LSU just being the right side. Like, I just the more I thought about it, the more I thought, um, you know, revenge game may, may be helpful. And, and also, I just kept thinking about the line value. We talked about this uh, last week, but like, they were they were five point favorites in the initial game they played on the road. And only seven, uh, seven, seven and a half, wherever, wherever you got yeah. it, for this game, which means that like two two things were happening. T- Tennessee was better than, than Vegas had proje- projected, or they were saying, you know, the public th- thinks Tennessee is better. Right. So, and when, that was the case. Yeah, that absolutely. was the obvious case. And it, it it went down just the way I thought it would. Like Tennessee did a great job, uh, you know, getting getting out in front of that game, playing their game, uh, you know, getting Kansas City to play down to them a little bit but it just couldn't be sustained Kansas City's offense too good Patrick Mahomes too good um you know going into that game I would have said and and I did say it last episode Derrick Henry's the best player in football right now the second best player in football you know up to that point in the playoffs Patrick Mahomes he took he took the title he he played outstanding it just seems like their offense isn't going to be stopped. And it's really just a matter of is their defense going to be able to slow down somebody's rushing game, which they kind of did. I mean, Derrick Henry played well, but didn't have the 180-yard game that they've been accustomed to. I believe only had three attempts in the second half. Yeah. So they kind of got kind of got out of uh, what they were doing well. And they were really Tannehill only down. threw the ball a lot more. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. They kind of – one makes it you, – you, you know, you have to wonder, did Derrick Henry – did he get tired? Like, we, you know, we're just so much work yeah. the last four games. Also, you have to think about, like, the last four games were all on the road. Like, travel, pay, you know, plays a factor to some degree. I think there was some travel issues. And, like, all these things just weigh on you. And Mahomes has just got this, like, he's just got this air about him. It's like, like there's no insurmountable lead to him. Yeah. I mean, he's got so many weapons. Like, I never felt anyone more confident with, like, a third and two and Kelsey's going to find a way to wiggle through the zone right. to, get to catch a ball, fall I've never down. been more confident in a guy, third and two, third and four, on his own side of the field. It, it could be a five-yard you know, uh, hook to Kelsey, or it could be a 70-yard touchdown to somebody. It just seems like anything. Anything's possible. And, and, yeah. and, it, and it honestly seems like their offense is almost designed that way, where they really are having levels of guys – you know running running routes it's like he'll take these looks where he'll drop back and you're going oh my god he is he is gearing up to throw an 80 yard pass and then in the end he just a little flip to the flat you know it it seems like there's levels where it gives him like check your big shot first check your check your 15 yard out second you've always got kelsey you know, you've always got uh, walk-ins as, you know, little safety blankets for, you know, just get the first down. Williams is a nice little, like, shifty little back. You know, you know he can catch a pass and make some moves. And also the, the, the play that, you know, I got, up and, I got up and, like, cheered. I know you probably tried to. Yeah. Was when he made the run. Incredible. The run yesterday was ridiculous. 
it, so incredible run, no. and then also just so many opportunities after getting the first down for him to take the easy way out, to dip out of bounds. Even after he didn't dip out of bounds, to cut back, to get a couple more extra yards, get him on the hash slide, um, he took it all the way. You feel like, you know, in Tennessee – wasn't able to get to him that often. They were able to pressure him, but the pressure never felt like it consumed Mahomes. Yeah. He was able to move around, keep his head, you know, his eyes downfield. Like he still had confidence, like, I'm either going to find you or I'm going to throw it away. And, and, they, and they broke it down at one point yesterday. They pointed out that the way he keeps his eyes downfield, it's always on a defender. This, like, no-look thing he does where instead of, you know, eyeballing a receiver, he's eyeballing defenders and just knowing where his guys are and then having the ability to sort of slide his eyes at the last minute with the throw. Andy, I know, uh, put out a tweet yesterday. It was it was it was very much like a this is a this is a dirty sports rundown tweet. Like this is something we're gonna talk about on the show. And then he tried to pass it off on us, which I'm not sure why he was doing that. He was gonna put all this work into it and then he's gonna try to pass it off on us. But he he wanted to talk he, you know, he said Mahomes is in a class all his own. The top five quarterbacks in the league is like as as crazy as it's ever been after that. But I'll say this, um, you know, Andy and I, I think we'll or you and Andy, whoever's here uh, next episode, depending on surgical procedures, um, we'll dive into it a little deeper. But um, I think not enough can be said to the first point of that is Patrick Mahomes is in a class all his own. And I think we've also been spoiled a bit coming out of a generation where. There was these locked in Brady Manning. These are the elite guys. Year in and year out, there was this shifting five or six quarterback, you know, elite class. And it and it really seemed to be every couple of Januaries, that was the question. Is Eli elite? Is Roethlisberger elite? Is Breeze elite? Is Flacco elite? And I think some of those guys is Rivers elite. Some of those guys held in to those positions for a minute and dipped out. Some of those guys, you know, kind of put their flag in the ground and, and stayed. I think a lot of people think Breeze, you know, in, in the end proved to sort of have an elite career. I mean, you know, what, what that means for Breeze's sort of championship resume and his legacy, all that uh, for a different time. But I think we always had those big two and we always had these guys – that we were questioning whether or not they were jumping into that tier. Um, no one's jumping into Patrick Mahomes' tier. And it really, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's a question of if if Mahomes was playing like this in the, the Brady-Manning era, would it be Brady-Manning-Mahomes and all these guys circulating around? Or if he's just like on a level that we haven't seen before. Because really this is, I don't even want to say the closest thing. I want to say beyond what early Aaron Rodgers was steps into the league starts dominating wins an MVP his first year AFC championship game Super Bowl in his first two seasons I mean there has been certainly some minor personnel changes with the uh, Chiefs over the last couple years not necessarily all in their favor I mean losing Kareem Hunt and and the you know the shifting they've had to do at running back certainly I think you know is is a bit of a downgrade. They've made some strides in the defensive, and I mean Honey Badger has been a huge pickup for them. But the difference between this Chiefs team 
that a couple years ago, wow, are the Chiefs for real? They beat Brady week one, and the Chiefs now is simply just Patrick Mahomes. That's just that's just the difference. He's truly in a class all his own, and I think when we had that, if we have that conversation that it seems like we had all through the 2000s and you know the early 2010s, he is elite. Who else is elite? Like you know, if that's if we're gonna go old school and that's kind of the the bar we're gonna have elite quarterbacks. I'm not sure there is another elite quarterback. If 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 Mahomes is your standard for elite, when we were talking about Brady and Manning, those are your elite quarterbacks. It seemed like every once in a while somebody would go, yeah, he played on a Brady Manning level for a playoffs. He played it, you know, this year he has been elite. No one is playing on Patrick Mahomes level at all. Well, Mahomes is like I think I think you're right. I mean, we've done two full years of you know for a sample size, and like I think maybe two games. I mean, he was hurt a couple games this year. It's the only times he's never scored more than 26 points, you know, in a game, and he needs to. Like you know, the Titans still scored 24 points yesterday. It wasn't like it was a, a you know a shut down game. Yeah, I mean, he's got to score points. I, I feel like that's going to be the same thing that's going to have to happen in the Super Bowl. But he's done it. Every game, basically game in and game out, with the exception of that little run in the middle of this year where he was either missing games or he was just kind of coming back from a little nagging injury. Um, I think you you almost have to create a new elite tier. Like, this is like a super elite tier. Right. Because, you know, Manning to me was elite. You know, good arm, but like sort of innovated the game. Like changed the way quarterbacks play the game. Absolutely. By, you know, changing the plays on the field, getting people into the right looks. I think Brady's a nod to, to like learning a lot from Manning, you know, and, and now now we're seeing the culmination of a guy who's as physically gifted as anyone we've ever ever seen when it, when it comes to my favorite term in football, arm talent. Yeah, but also you know he has enough wiggle to move around the pocket or make some plays. It's just really special. It's special to watch, and I think like you know he's a, he seems like an awesome guy. I mean, you know, I know State Farm is very disappointed that they could get the State Farm Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, um, but they got half of it. They got the guy. They got the future in, and um, I, I agree. There's a lot of like second. I don't know, se- like second tier. I know I'm gonna let that discussion happen between you and Andy because I know you guys will debate where to put the Russell Wilsons and the, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, even the Deshaun Watsons, and Breeze actually, according to the analytics, had a great year. It just becomes like a. Thi- it's just become a thing similar to like Maddox or even Manning before he won a second Super Bowl, like. Just not be able to, to finish it in the playoffs. Yeah, and also just not having the games that, like, you, it's almost like you set your own bar, right? Like, the thing with, you know, certain guys is that they set this bar for themselves and then they exceed it in the playoffs and in, you know, the championship games. And whereas Breeze, he, he has set this gaudy, passing game is is what Drew Brees is known for you know 350 you know three touchdowns no picks and then he doesn't do anything like his own standard when it comes to the playoffs and you know uh, like I think that's the thing with when we talk about those 2000s those early 2010s the, the conversations that people you know would fucking die on these you know arguing the Flacco's and the Eli's and the whatever are these guys elite. And it's because Eli Manning puts up these and Flacco put up these like meh 
seasons, you know, sort of middle of the road. Again, you could argue you don't want your quarterback to lead the league in passing. And so there are these there are these guys who are 10th and 12th in the league in passing. But then come playoff time, they go on these Super Bowl runs where they exceed everything they've done in the regular season. And it's like, well, is that clutch, you know, playing up to your competition, all that stuff. And Breeze, the big question mark, like it was with Manning for all those years, is it's these crazy regular season numbers and then very pedestrian playoff numbers. Mahomes is exceeding, in a way, what he's done while setting crazy, gaudy regular season numbers. And the reason that I would say, you know, I know Andy got prickly as he does anytime Russell Wilson is mentioned, you know, in any sort of negative light. I, I feel like this Andy's Russell Wilson love at this point needs the Jameis Winston, Jason Light uh, investigation. <laughs> like, what is really going on here? Um, but, you know, everybody, when I criticized uh, Russell Wilson for not in his loss to the Cowboys and in his loss to the Packers, completing a third down pass for a first down on a third down conversion. The end of that Chiefs game, it was, uh, you know, what was the final? They scored 34 35. It was 34. 35 24. 35 24, right. So there was a point in that game where it was, uh, you know, 28 17. And, you know, if everybody could feel 28 17. The Titans had sort of clawed back in this game. It's now a two-score game. It's a you know a, a field goal and a touchdown with a two-point conversion. The Chiefs had third and six on their own side of the field, and you're like, okay, let's see what happens. He reels off a 60-yard strike to Watkins. Ball game, game over. Like the difference between him scrambling. For seven yards there, sliding and extending it and going, it's third and six. I just ended the game. Ball game, Super Bowl. To me, I'm sorry, but that's the that's why I don't I don't want to hear about guys, you know, being compared to the elite quarterbacks in the game when this guy's delivering game winners on third and six from his own side of the field versus guys like, well, you know, he was three for eight on third down conversions and, and three times he ran it. It's like also Patrick Mahomes ran it in, you know, like this guy's doing it on multiple levels. And, uh, you know, I, I tweeted that at Nathan Gibson. who was like, what's the difference if you're getting a fucking, if you're running it to convert or if you're throwing it to convert, it's like with Patrick Mahomes on every third down, you're going, yeah, we want to stop him from, getting a first down here. We want to guard the, you know, the marker. And he's like, please guard the marker. I'm going for the goal line marker. I'm going to end this game. And to me, it's like, he's just on a level all his own. And Tannehill played pretty good. Like he, he definitely stepped up his game, but just like I said in our preview last week, just doesn't seem like he was ever going to have the ability. If it came to it to stay in any sort of shootout, Patrick Holmes and, they ran out of gas. I mean, I think they should have maybe stuck with Derrick Henry a little bit more. His third quarters so far have been insane. Like, seems like he gets stronger late in the game. Like you said, three touches in the second half. Didn't seem like uh, that was going to do it, but I also just really never thought they were going to keep up with them. And 
you and I in the end were both right. Well, what's amazing about that is you know you see so many times in the playoff games where there's a little adversity, and you feel you can feel it in the room, even in your TV. Like imagine the stadium. We're like, oh, oh, we're down ten nothing. We 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 uh, cited Baltimore against Tennessee. They get down early. It's like, uh oh, this has happened twice now to Mahomes. I'm not saying it might, it might not catch up to the Chiefs at some yeah. point, but at no point do you feel like they're out of it. Like it was just never a question of even though Tennessee was was balling the first two drives really. You know, a nice fourth down call uh, by Vrabel. I tweeted that out. Like, good to see that happen. Can don't no don't settle here. Um, you know, good play action. Had you know had like nice play action. You know, everyone was biting. There was guys in the middle. Nice. You know, the Brown had a nice little run, 40, 50 yarder. Really smart start by Art Smith from the OC for Tennessee. But it's almost like you gotta. You know, playing Kansas City, you gotta put up 35, 40. Yeah. And that just puts a lot of pressure on your offense. And I got to say, oh. uh, you know, Steve Spagnuolo, defensive coordinator of the Chiefs, uh, Giants defensive coordinator for a Super Bowl run. Something that when I watch the Chiefs really reminds me of what he did with the Giants is like there's bend, don't break. You know, there's bend uh, and let them move the ball a little bit. Not that they're letting them, but they're, you know, they're moving the ball, but there's it's taking some work to do it. Took a lot of creativity. Took a lot, like you said, they were calling the perfect game, and they're getting down, and they're having these extended drives, and they're scoring, and you know they they score a touchdown to start the game. Um, but even even the break, even the scoring the touchdown, you go if you're just putting up this much of a fight, you know you're going to have some stops. You know with you know forcing third downs, every once in a while you're going to get them to not convert one, and the difference between the the Spagnola defense now. And with the Giants, not that, like, it's not even about what he's doing different on defense. It's that on the other side of the ball, the offense is going to deliver points. I mean, they they were over, you know, were able to overcome so many mental gaffes early in the game. How many times they jump off sides? And you're like, yeah. are you kidding me, guys? Yeah. We're you're off the field. There was also the the it was a third and twenty two, <laughs> and the, they held for uh, the Chiefs did for pass interference on yeah. third and twenty two. And they got the ball back and were able to score a touchdown there. Like, there's a, there's some mental mistakes out there. I'm not saying the Chiefs, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting game. It's that you can see by the spread between the Chiefs and the Niners. It's you know, it's a it's a close game. When you play a team that is as talented as them, from a scheme standpoint, um, you can't make you can't make mistakes like that. Like you know, at some point, that's really going to jump out and bite yeah. you. It's so like Andy Reid fear. I think is like when teams keep the other side of uh, the ball, you know, the other team on the field. The the other thing about the Patrick Mahomes-led chief offense that I think it, it almost um, it almost neutralizes what Andy Reid is so bad at in terms of the time management and the – it's like they're, you know, and maybe this will end up biting them ass in their, their ass in the Super Bowl – but again, we're one game away from it. They have neutralized by being able to score with any amount of time on the clock from any position on the field. The I like Andy Reid's walking home with all of his timeouts all the time because he's like, we don't need timeouts. Yeah. You know, w- when you have to grind down the field, you have to run these screen passes that Andy Reid loves so much that you know, for so long in, in Eagles history, it was like this running game and this like running game via the screen pass this the addition of Mahomes and the verticalness of this offense uh 
has completely neutralized the idea that like God, well, we've got uh we've got to get 80 yards down the field in in a minute and 10 seconds, and we've got one timeout. Like Patrick Holmes, like should I just throw it the whole way? Like it's it's full Happy Gilmore. Why don't you just you should just hit it in one shot every time? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at you know. It's, I'm glad you shifted the conversation towards Andy Reid because it's it's nice to look at his his you know career. Obviously, he needs a Super Bowl to become you know a, the legend to reach the eleven legendary levels that we're talking about for great coaches. But he's been a great coach over the years. I mean, he's obviously gifted with his offensive schemes. We look at the quarterbacks he's you know used to get far into the playoffs, yeah. whether it's McNabb or Kevin Cobb, you know Alex Smith. I mean, I, it's hard for me to say like what, I can't remember as well as you guys do about how like. How would we frame McNabb's career, knowing what we know now? Like, was he a dink and dunker? Was he? I mean, what was he? What was his style? Like, you may know may know more than I do, but like, Andy Reid was able to win, but he does have some blind spots. Like, the, you know, the timeouts is a thing. Yeah, uh, just some sort of conservative play calling at the wrong time. You're right, Mahomes does you know have a chance to sort of erase all of that. But man, Andy Reid. It's not like the Chiefs were bad. Alex Smith got him to the playoffs too. I mean, Andy yeah. Reid's you know a good good coach. Right. And, so. and, and I think and, and that's the thing. I, I think Andy Reid's scheme has been able to take these teams really far. And and in a way, the McNabs and Alex Smith, while while working within his scheme, also had limitations on them that certain quarterbacks don't necessarily have that played right into what Andy Reid is bad at. Like I just you never really felt with Alex Smith like they're one play from scoring a touchdown from any part of the field. Um, same with McNabb. I mean, I think McNabb had a little bit of arm talent, um, but he wasn't really like Mr. Like dropping dimes in buckets downfield. Like he had the ability to throw deep, but he wasn't great at it. And he, he fit really well into Andy Reid's scheme, but it really always felt like even in that Super Bowl, and certainly at the Alex Smith, uh, you know, playoff games that Andy Reid had with him, it's I, I've got these guys who are just going to get these, you know, ten to twelve to fifteen yard chunk plays, and when I have this time management issue, they can that can really butt heads. Patrick Mahomes just just erases that. He goes, yeah. I, I mean, like literally, what amount of time? Are you not comfortable with Patrick Mahomes getting down the field with one timeout? I mean, another thing is thirty-five seconds with Reed. Also, you know, he had To. Yeah, they got to the Super Bowl, but they, you know they're they're running with like Freddie Mitchell. Like I mean, they didn't have some great you know guys on the outside to really get them. He's almost built the team he wanted to, including the quarterback because yeah. he has Tyreek, he has Kelsey, he has Miko Hardman. Everyone loves like one speedster. He's yeah. got two. Yeah, you know you got Sammy Watkins who for you know you know maybe he's not like. He, he was like the fourth or fifth pick overall, I think. Right. Was known as another speedster. Still a very good, you know, wide receiver. They're just loaded. I mean, yeah. loaded, the, the skill set. I mean, McCoy is not even playing, right? Like, like LaShawn McCoy is like an active yeah. or healthy scratch, I think. And, and it's one of those things where Mahomes just makes these guys so much better. It's like, yeah, Sammy Watkins was the fourth overall pick or whatever. But, like, what has he been until he had Mahomes? Like, what is Hardman on, you know, the, the Buffalo Bills. What is, you know, what's Tyreek Hill on some teams where it, uh, uh, the quarterback doesn't have the ability to go, yeah, you can get separation once you get to 30, 40, 50 yards downfield. Like, is is Tyreek Hill scoring long touchdowns, you know, every other game with f- 
35, 40 year old Philip Rivers? I mean, it's a and, great question because I think I believe in schemes so much in the NFL being a fit. I mean, this is like just the perfect storm. Yeah. And we'll talk about some of these other teams coming up. And about Kelsey. Oh, it's a perfect complement of players with the perfect quarterback and the perfect like offensive minded coach. Like it's a it's a it's amazing to watch. Now we do have to say is you got you and I are proponents of like winning on a rookie deal. Yes. We do have Mahomes coming up. So this will be very interesting. So that's something I wanted to talk to you about because I think that there's a couple of things here. First of all, Patrick Mahomes is the only person right now who Blank deserves check. Blank check. the money. Yep. You know? And I understand that if you're his agent, you know, State Farm or otherwise. Uh, Terrible agent, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> Hopefully that guy will get like, that guy will dumb his way into a team-friendly deal. But um, but if you're Patrick Mahomes, you're the only, like, it, with the bar being set for you with by Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff and Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson, again, this guy is in a class all his own he deserves the 40 million the 50 million whatever man but then when you're Patrick Mahomes do you say like I have the ability I have I am two years into what could potentially be the greatest quarterback career ever do I take some sort of team ish team friendly ish deal to consistently be winning because I mean if Patrick Mahomes isn't the MVP and isn't winning these games, every single commercial isn't Patrick Mahomes. Like, there's there's ways to make up this money, correct? There are. I mean, you should marry Giselle. Right. That uh, would be helpful. But, I mean, I think he should uh, he should tell the Chiefs that they, they should only play with 43 players. Just give me 10 players' salaries additional, and we're going to run with 43. Yeah. That's one way to do it. But I, I'm, you know, I... Unfortunately, the last nine guys on the salary cap, they're, that's... Yeah, it's like what, that's, um, uh, less you know, than $2 million. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I think you obviously... I, we'll never tell people not to get, get the money. I feel like he should go get the money. And they should just bank on the fact that we'll find more, you know, Kareem Hunts in the fourth round, right. Nicole Harmons and, in the and first I guess round, that, that's take the, shots. That's the, other, yeah. that's the other side of the coin yeah. is... Do you just pay Mahomes and you go? He's gonna turn every single guy he plays in he plays with yeah. into, you know, a threat. But what he's gonna basically do is get people paid. Yeah. He's like Kelsey, Kelsey's gonna help. You know, they're gonna be able to pay for Kelsey, so he'll go go somewhere else. You know, uh, you know Tyreek. Who knows where he goes? Like, but you, you know, if my, if if Kirk Cousins gets eighty five mil guaranteed, and what is what is Mahomes' number? Right. It's is it it's doubled. I mean, yeah. he's twice as valuable probably as Kirk Cousins. Uh, I would say I mean, he's infinitely more valuable. Yeah. Yeah, like so what's the number? Right. <laughs> I don't know what the number is. Right. There's it's like he's underpaid at whatever number he ends up getting, which is very hard for people to say. But um, you know, the the other thing is, you know, you can kind of if you look at the Chiefs even if your approach is, okay, we have Andy Reid and we have Mahomes and it's going to be Belichick and Brady. And this is the thing for a long time. And 20 years from now or or 12 years from now, they're going to be playing in a Super Bowl again together. And the only person that's going to be the same on this team is Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes. And everybody else has changed over. We've had to do what we've had to do salary-wise. But he's going to turn all his weapons into stars. Or he's going to make them all guys that uh, produce. You have to have some sort of 
defense. Like, you have to have a decent defense. You have to have a middle-of-the-pack defense. Whereas I feel like, and that, again, we talk about where he, how he compares to every other quarterback in the league. Most quarterbacks are going to need a top-tier defense. That's what gets you there. And he doesn't. But you're gonna you're gonna need to pay enough guys to sit, to be the twelfth to fifteenth best defense in football. It's funny. I looked up a stat today, which said, well, it's not a stat; it's an overall generalization that says teams are more more likely to be good. I think you'll probably agree with this if they have a above average quarterback and a subpar t- defense than a subpar quarterback and an above average defense. Yeah. So first and foremost, always think offensive first, and we'll figure out on on defense. Yeah. But I agree with you. I mean, and we've said this earlier in the podcast. Like, Mahomes needs to score thirty to win. I mean, yeah. that's just the way it is with us, you know. And it's been it, that for two years. It almost it almost feels like they might have to bail on some guys early. The strategy might be to go instead of getting these guys paid, right? It's to turn Tyreek Hill into a first rounder. It's to go like I'm gonna like find me any guy who's on the football team and the track team. I'll turn him into Tyreek Hill, but turn Tyreek Hill into assets because you're going to be picking at the end of rounds for the next 15 years well you do that you know you look for the spark score as they say in the draft but you there's exactly you go you try to find the athletes or you try to find guys who are like you remember like the nba the ring chasers yeah you know like uh, tyron matthew's not quite that ilk but yeah. like you go you find guys that are still good they're like, a, you get like maybe a prove it deal yeah you just get a bunch of guys like a one-year prove it deal i think that's probably an avenue they'll, they'll have to take but um I mean, the future is so bright. Like, like, I haven't been this excited about a non-Cowboys player. And it makes you wonder, like, the, this first year, the Chiefs had Alex Smith. They do, they do go to the playoffs. They do lose to the Titans. Yeah. If you give, out, if you give Mahomes the whole year, yeah. what could have been possible then? They, they might have been two-time Super Bowl. They might have won last year yep. just because of the experience. I mean, who knows? Crazy to think how bright the Kansas City future Before is. we move on from this game to, to the other championship game and then on to how these teams will match up against each other in the Super Bowl, do you follow or have you seen on Twitter or on Instagram people sharing and what could be Patrick Mahomes' only, uh, the only chink in his arm? I know where this is going. His girlfriend is a fucking <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> I, I – this the – all I saw was like a, maybe it was just a series of cuts of her just like sort of screaming, screaming. at the phone or just whatever screaming. the camera. Just yeah. selfie screaming. <laughs> um, my girlfriend has followed Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend for a while um, and has always kind of kept me up. And only yesterday, it seemed like the rest of the internet discovered yesterday. Yep. She's got these pregame rich. It's her and his little brother. They're on the sideline pregame. They're always kind of making, they're always kind of selfieing. They're doing this, you know, they're getting their, their pregame sideline hype. Then they move to the box. There's a lot of screaming. Um, it, it is, are we worried at all about the, the uh, spotlight that is being shown on Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend? It seems like the majority of these guys who are successful, obviously Giselle, very famous, you know, the, the reports are always makes more money than Tom Brady, but she's still a supermodel. She's not really like making headlines besides the uh, besides the, the, you know, the dropped it thing. Yeah, where, yeah exactly. Can't, can't catch his own passes. Um, you know, I don't think anybody knows Peyton Manning's wife's name. Um, I, I know Eli's wife's name because, you know, you I follow her on Instagram. Right. I, I because I have Eli Manning's family tree on my <laughs> on my wall. I know his children's name. Um, but uh, 
But for the majority of these guys, they're they're, they're usually pretty, you know, back. I mean, obviously we have Ciara and Russ, um, but it seems like as he as his star grows, she's just getting more boisterous. Are we worried at all about, or is he just too good? Or he, he's like, just do whatever you want. Well, first and foremost, we always wish. At least I, I can't speak for Joe, but I always wish people to be happy and successful. But but having said that, having said that, he's 23 years old. Yeah. Was he with her? I don't know the details. I think high school. They've been together since high school. I think so. I want them to. Be, I want them to work out desperately. Yeah. But there's a there's a lot but Russell of Russell Wilson wasn't with CR in high school. That's what I'm saying. Tom Brady was with, with another person. Yeah. Somebody has a child with another person. Brett Favre is known to be sending out some 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 photos to some people. Yeah. I just I, I want to say like Tom Brady destroyed his phone during Spygate, <laughs> yeah. but but claims it wasn't or d- during Deflategate, but it claims he destroyed it having nothing to do with his the football deflating. Co- correct. I wish them all the best, but yes, it is it is concerned. But I but I also have a bigger question to to followers out there. Why does one follow? And I could turn this question to your girlfriend. Why does one follow Patrick Mahomes's Girlfriend, what's the value yeah. in following this person in your in your mind? I have no idea. I mean, I can, <laughs> I can answer for my girlfriend, yeah. but I, I don't know if I can answer for the public. I mean, my girlfriend, she worked in sports. She's met that, her. That makes She's complete like, sense. She, you know, she, there's, complete there's sense. a pre-Chiefs-Mahomes relationship. There, you know, um, But generally, and that's the thing, I feel like the internet, for the most part, discovered her yesterday. I, I 100% discovered her yeah. yesterday. A hundred percent. So, and it's sort of this like it was like this screaming Kermit meme, like because I think as you you go home, like you start to take their lives home in your imagination, and you're like, is this person doing this all the time? Like, I don't. Mahomes needs to like sit and sleep. Yeah. Is she like waking up, being like, another day? Yeah. Pre-game ritual, <laughs> yeah, yogurt. Exactly. Like. <laughs> so yeah, our our imagination starts to, starts to run wild. Like, yeah, like he needs a moment to sort of decompress. Is she gonna give that to him? But, you know, the reason I bring it up is because you and I, like we said, we we haven't been this excited for somebody in a long time. Just seems like, you know, barring injury, literally the sky's the limit. The, there's always the Yoko factor, though. Oh, man. Don't don't say that yet. We'll see. We'll, we'll find out in two weeks. If 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 they lose, I'm going to put the blame on her 100%. I, I, think, 100%. I, think, I, think, I think her visibility in the next two weeks is going to be a big preview, too. It's a, it's a really, kind of a coming out story for her. She's probably going to get her own little station at the media day. Yeah. Is she angling to become like the next um, – is it Aisha Curry? Yes. Is she the next – is she trying to be the next Aisha a, a Curry? food channel Are we show. doing like, like – is there a, is there if, a book if, deal happening? If he loses, is he accusing the, you know, the NFL of being biased and throwing yeah. games and fixing games? I think we're on to something here. She's probably seen a path to success, and she's, she's now done it. She's, on, she's well on her way. Congrats to her. Well, we, we switch over to the late game. Packers 49ers. Um, the, I mean, the, the, the only real story in this game to, you know, to lead with is that the 49ers go out to a massive lead. Th- through three quarters, Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball six times. I think he's four for six. They, I mean, destroy the Packers in terms of running the football. And I, I've, I've honestly, I can honestly say I've never seen anything like this before. This deep into the playoffs, you're in the champion, the conference championship round, and you're just, you're just dominating uh, another team 
just running the ball. Just straight up running off tackle. I mean, a really impressive win. I will say this. I didn't post yesterday. A lot of the guys that I follow that I think are really, really good at gambling, they all had the over, which did sail over the top. So congrats to those people that were on the over. Look, I thought – I've been touting the Packers as paper tigers all year long. And they proved me right. But I did think, like, oh, they, they should be able to get up for this game having been humiliated six or seven weeks before. What can we learn? And we realized they learned nothing. Yeah. You know, they're just not in the class of talent that the Niners have, not only not only from a player personnel, but from, even from a coaching standpoint. I agree. I think Shanahan is the – like, everyone was on McVay's jock last year, deservedly so, but Shanahan is also – extremely gifted. I mean, you know, he was part of the offensive mind that, you know, had the Falcons up 28 to three before they lost the Patriots. So he's, you know, and, and he's, he's, you know, what was most impressive about him this year. And then specifically yesterday is he is doing something with the Niners offense that he did not, he was not showing you in, in any other offense he's ever worked with. Even prior to this season, it seemed like this year he was like, okay, this is my like he woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat and he was like ghost motion like he 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 just had this he had this recurring you know he had a dream catcher on his wall and every morning he just wake up saying ghost motion like this you know he's running guys in this arena league style where wide receivers are going 20 yards back in the backfield pre-snap on angles and he's exposing then whether or not the defense is running man or zone and he's taking he's taking guys out of where he's going to run the ball he's like i'm gonna run off tackle here this guy's guarding my fucking slot guy i'm gonna have my slot guy you know running donuts in the backfield see if that guy follows him and then right run right into the space that he clears out the just like the running attack also was so simple there wasn't a lot of of like creativity in the actual running attack. There's a lot of creativity in the pre-snap. There's a lot of creativity in the few times that they passed off it. But they were pretty much running off tackle and they were pretty much running at their edges where th- the Packers have gotten their best defensive play lately from Zadarius Smith and I'm forgetting the guy's name on the other side, but this is where they're getting their edge rush. It almost seemed like part of the strategy was if we're ever going to pass the ball, let's work the shit out of these guys on the run so that when they do get a chance to, you know, stand up pass rush, they're fucking tired. And it never came to that point. They never stopped them running the ball. So this, like, let's wear them down, and then, you know, this rocky move, then we'll switch in the... 12th round to the, the your other hand they never switched because they ran down their fucking throats I mean I was I mean, you're right they did some I like some of their schemes and you're right they did a lot of pre-snap stuff I like the way he kind of brings a a wide receiver or tight end in motion and they, they use them to like start him in motion and then they reverse him back yeah to the other side of the field. Really creative stuff. And you, I think you saw that clip. There was a clip going around on Twitter. You may have seen I think Warren Sharp passed it around, where when Mike Pettin was uh, the head coach 
of the Browns, and yeah. Shanahan was like the offensive coordinator there. And they sort of like he said, "What are we going to do? Run here?" And Shanahan just gets like the coolest yeah. look, like no. Yeah. And they throw, and I just wonder if like you know I think part of that's just the, maybe just a familiarity with Petten's you know schemes and yeah. things like that. Just, Shanahan's just really smart, like. And they're doing it with a guy, like you said, Garoppolo doesn't need to throw the ball. There was like a 90-minute uh, real-time gap from one pass to another. Yeah. Um, I, there was a tweet that went out, like, all the things that happened. <laughs> yeah. Between, like, there was 11 Super Bowl halftime commercials. There was, you know, uh, f- four matches at the U.S. Open had ended. And that was a fear. Australian Open. You know, a fear that you and I had, which was, you know, if, if a game is close, do we, are we willing to trust Garoppolo? And for for two games so far, they just haven't had a, they haven't had any reason. Yeah, there's been no reason to trust them. And the flip side of that, and everybody knows that I have been an Aaron Rodgers slurper. Uh, we broke down this game, and I said, coaching, you've got to give it to the Niners. Defense, you've got to give it to the Niners. Running game, you've got to give it to the Niners. Quarterback, you've got to give it to Aaron Rodgers. And Jimmy Garoppolo did not throw the ball at all. Essentially, they you know. It's just crazy to me. They're going to play an NFC Championship game, and your quarterback is going to be doing like eight-year-old Pop Warner statistics. Like, we're going to throw the ball six times. Um, but because of that, uh, I have to criticize Aaron Rodgers a little bit, especially in the first half, because the the one advantage you have. The the Niners essentially punted on the quarterback comparison, and Aaron Rodgers didn't widen the gap at all. Like, especially two minutes left to go in the first half, down, I forget what it was. I think it was, you know, 20 or something at that point. Uh, he's got a chance to drive them down, make it a 13-point game. I believe it was. Uh, I might be wrong here. And basically almost immediately throws a pick. And they get another score before the half. That, you know, that's a legitimate fourteen-point swing. You're counting on you have to score here before the half, and instead you give the ball right back to them, and they score through an interception. I mean, through it, obviously the second one late. That's not all interceptions are equal, as I always say. That's basically a not an interception. Uh, but he throws that interception at the end of the first half, fumbles a couple of times. Um, Put it together in the second half, but at the same time, it's like at no point did the Niners ever feel like this game was that the Packers were threatening at all. So you also have to, you know, question the, uh, you know, how important those statistics are in the second half. He just simply and and look again. I know that the Niners' defense is incredible, and I know that their pass rush is incredible, but. He just didn't. He just simply didn't perform at the at the level that you need if you're going to say, "Hey, this guy is one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL." I have to say something right now. I'm very proud of you for doing this because back channeling with me is one Andy Ruther, who wanted to make sure that I brought up this uh, this Aaron Rodgers performance. So you don't. I don't have to do that very much because I I felt like he's regressed a lot this year. And, I'll, I'm gonna, and I'm going to take two minutes eventually to just give you some numbers on why I think he's regressed. But in just just to just to bring some attention to last week, you, you were a tough on Russell Wilson in his ability to beat the Packers. And I just want to bring up some numbers as to what the, the comparison between Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson in that game, and to see wh- why why your thoughts on him, again why Russell Wilson is not Russell Wilson was equally whatever say like not not 
as good as Aaron Rodgers. Wasn't very good. Right. Right? Like, both had the, uh, 15 passing first downs, eight rushing first downs. This is, this is Russell Wilson. 375 yards, 265 passing. In- inability to convert on third down. Very similar. Uh, Russell Wilson. I mean, uh, this is Aaron Rodgers. 16 first passing first downs. Threw for 358. Two, or two, 296. Did have two interceptions. Two fumbles. Um, sacked three times for 30 yards. You, I, I mean, I like hearing that you're tough on Aaron Rodgers, but like the comparison seems similar to me. Thoughts on like, like, so it, 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 here's here's the and by the way, no one is head and shoulders above uh, above one another here. Obviously, first of all, the uh, Russell Wilson was playing the Packers, who. You you know you have called paper tigers the whole year. Correct. Their defense has been better. Correct. Their 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 running games have been better. Uh, you know they're they're they made it to the conference championship game. They were the two overall seed. Uh, they did what they did. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing the Niners. Uh, the competition level is important. Now I know Russell Wilson has had decent games against the Niners this year, but again the division, Pete Carroll, uh, you know Shanahan like the the. There's some aspect of all that that you have to factor in, um, especially the difference between regular season and the playoffs. Because I think Shanahan, and we'll go back to Shanahan's coaching, is I think the most impressive thing about Shanahan in this game was well, I have no idea what he's going to do in the Super Bowl because he didn't have to show fucking anything. Yeah, you're right. I have no idea what his officer is. Now, how that would have been different if he wasn't playing the Packers, if he was playing the Seahawks, whatever. So one thing is the difference in, in competition. I uh, 100% agree that both Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers need to be you know, skewered a, a little bit for essentially being out of the game at halftime. The games were over. Uh, 21-3, 27-0, whatever it was at the half. Like The idea that you can't – because – there was a point late in this game where it became a two-score game. And never did I feel like the 49ers were going to lose the game. But the reason is because Aaron Rodgers did nothing in the first half. He did nothing. If you get if you get that one touchdown and don't throw that interception, this is a completely different ball game. That was the 14-point swing we're talking about. The one thing I'll give Aaron Rodgers credit for was the Niners pass rush is significantly better than the Packers pass rush. He took a lot of, he was getting pressured a lot in the first half and in a very Russell Wilson manner was going backwards a lot, backpedaling, turning his back, trying to escape in the second half. I don't, I'm not sure. I mean, I I know he, he got stripped at one point and maybe the, the Niners dove on it again or whatever, or the Packers dove on it again. I forget what happened in the second half, but he was sacked twice in the game. Um, to me, what I needed from Aaron Rodgers to show me that he was the only other person in Mahomes' class was to get sacked twice in this game and be effective. He didn't get sacked six times, you know, um, because he seemed to f- sort of figure it out, step up, get rid of the ball quickly, but it was too little too late. And again, is that because the Niners dialed it back in the second half and they knew the game was over to me, to me, the big sort of fail stamp on Aaron Rodgers is his first half performance and specifically the end of the first half. You had a chance 
to at least go into the locker room with some momentum. And who knows what the second half is if you if if you play the same game in the second half and you don't give them seven points instead of getting seven on your own. And it just seems like that magic is gone. Just seems like that would be, you know, the regression in Aaron Rodgers, I know you have a, a file on it. I think that there's part of the quarterback talk, which is you don't want your quarterback doing all this stuff. You don't want him leading the league in passing, and you don't want him whatever. And and we're just like take Patrick Mahomes and put him in his own fucking world. We all agree on that. But so the dialing back of Aaron Rodgers in this, the whole team is on your shoulders, especially with a, a brand-new coach who's calling the plays. They always say it takes a half a season, all that stuff. He didn't have the magic. The end of the first half, I need that one Rodgers throw, that one Rodgers escape that goes, hey, I know you thought it was over, but we're around. Plus, they scored the first drive of the third quarter, so yeah. now it's 2014. Yeah. If you just find a way to get points, 2010 even. Yeah, exactly. Find a way just to get find, points. Just find a way to not give them points, yeah. honestly. Yeah. 20 to 7 is like is not, you know, insurmountable. Yeah. But it's a it's a big it's a I mean, we talked about how it doesn't change his legacy, but I just want to go into some couple uh, notes about why I think and like no one's going to take away the 2009 to 2014 era Aaron Rodgers. Like world class, elite. And, and, and Aaron Rodgers said yesterday, like, I will, I will never forget this year because football became fun again. To me, that implies, there, you know, McCarthy, I'm ex- I think this could give some optimism to Cowboys fans, including myself, because it says, hey, McCarthy isn't that bad. It's just the relationship between right. McCarthy and Rodgers really soured. So I, I, I pulled up a couple stats on why, you know, why I've been saying they're paper tigers, you know, all year long, but and these and some of these are things that you I know you don't believe in as well because Rodgers, when under pressure during the regular season and playoffs, held onto the ball for an average of three point eight seconds. That's the longest in the NFL. I know that you and I both don't like to see that. Yes, his QBR this year uh, with with Lafleur was fifty point eight. Mariota's uh, uh, QBR last year with Lafleur. And Tennessee was fifty three point two. Do we think Lafleur is the, the you know the game changer? We don't know, but you know they're lucky to win a lot of games this year. And I don't know if Lafleur is necessarily the answer, but I think McCarthy um, is not bad. Like the QBR with play action last year was forty nine point nine. That's thirty first in the league. QBR this year with play action was forty nine point six. That's twenty sixth for the league. Uh, Aaron Rodgers finished this year 17th in yards per attempt, 20th overall in QBR. His average uh, for positive points per play above emplacement was 13th. It's just a lot of signs are pointing to this the regression, and we're saying it, it's okay because he's 30-whatever, five years old. But, you know, we have to start paying attention to the fact that, like, someone uh, Stenga asked me last night, is the, the window closed? I think it's closed. Because he's going to make twenty-two million dollars eventually, but like there is a chance for like the late Favre run. Right. But it just gets harder, um, and you can blame it on uh, the player. We need you know Devontae was hurt for a portion of the year, but there's a stat saying they got because people respect Aaron Rodgers so much. There's they actually have more separation than any other wide receivers in the league because people respect Aaron Rodgers so much. Yeah. 
And also, and, the last and, thing I'll say is they have the, the best line for pass protection. So, again, I love – I mean, Aaron Rodgers is probably the last guy that I cared as much about Mahomes. Yeah. But we, we have to start thinking about is the, is the door closed? Well, here, here's the question I have on Aaron Rodgers and regression because when I look at Aaron Rodgers – I don't I there's not a lot of me that says the regression is in physically he can't do it anymore. He seems to still make the throws. He still seems to be, you know, um almost as 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 athletic, as elusive as he's sort of been throughout his career. Maybe not quite as elusive as his younger days, but he's certainly not a statue in the pocket. When I look at Aaron Rodgers, I think the souring of the Mike McCarthy thing and then now having a, a rookie head coach not just a rookie with the Packers not just a rookie in the, like this is the first time the guy's been a head coach is how much of it is the Aaron Rodgers ego where Aaron Rodgers was the king of the world for so long believed that whatever he feels is correct in every situation is the right play like what I hated about his first half yesterday is that he looked like Russell Wilson. When pressure came, he started trying to make things happen, make things happen where I feel like you have to trust your offense a little bit more. I don't care that you're a, however many time MVP and your this is your f- coach's first playoff game ever. You need to trust that, you know, make your reads and deliver a strike. Just like you said, the, the three point, I hate, I don't want my quarterback holding the ball. And it just seems like the Aaron Rodgers of, oh, I can make something happen here. I want that Aaron Rodgers to come out in desperate times and go, he's always got that in him. And that's the thing about Russell Wilson that you have to love if you're a Seahawks fan. He always has that play in him. But on a play, like on a season-long basis, you shouldn't use that play Every time you're pressured. That is not the answer for success. The answer for success, make your reads, deliver a strike, or throw the fucking ball out of bounds and live to fight another day. And then when when necessary, spin backwards, backpedal, throw a ball off your back foot. The idea that he's throwing a ball off his back foot at the end of the first half when they're down 20 points and they just need points and it, it costs them, in my opinion, the game. It's a little bit too much ego for me. You know, I, I don't disagree with that. I think it's a really good point. And I will say this, just as a, 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 just an aesthetic side, and I know you'll agree with this as a man who cares about uh, the way, you know, you, you put yourself together. He's not the go to me because he did not shave well, and he did not trim his neck. His like, neck beard. His, ne- his the neck beard the back. is unacceptable. On the back. I'm, I'm going to go on a diatribe about this because I, I – I saw it yesterday, and I thought the exact same I thing. work in entertainment. And I, when I go and as an actor, they, they sometimes shoot what's called an over-the-shoulder shot. They take a camera, and they use your neck and shoulder to show that someone else is in the space. You know, look for this, guys, as you're watching movies. Over the shoulder. And I'm always like, can you clean my neck, please? Yeah. He did not – there's something about him, the goat – Tom Brady, who may or may not be the goat, you know is going to walk in looking fresh. Aaron Rodgers had an unkept beard, and his neck beard looked terrible. And I was like, this guy is, this guy is just not ready to play. I should have known from the beginning. I should have said Niners by a million because the, yeah. the neck. I, I mean, neck. honestly, I pre-game, I got scared off the Packers simply because I'm like, I get playoff beards, but like whenever he goes with the Joe Prano mustache, 
it's like a sensation. <laughs> it sets the internet on fire. So the fact that like I was like, okay, he didn't he didn't pull it out for the playoffs. Does he pull it out if they make the Super Bowl? But then I agree, I agree a hundred percent. I saw how. How did he not have somebody clean up the back of his neck? It's one of the biggest moments of your career. Chance to go back to the Super Bowl, and you didn't say, hey, clean me up. I Really, I mean, I, I'm glad. I knew that you would get this. Of all Write people. this down. This is our title. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Rodgers' unkept neck <laughs> kept them from the Super Bowl. Um, so, But I, I, to get back to the ego point, I yeah. agree with you. I think there's a certain point, you know, and I was reading some articles about why people, why people are trying to deduce why the sort of um, lack, the accuracy is dipping on Aaron Rodgers. And one, I think it's, it's ego. Two, you know, Colin Coward brings this up, which is like he wants to protect his QB uh, to TD to interception ratio down, which I don't want to get on Coward's side, but like there are – people are seeing opportunities. You're the good. I know. How I, are know. You, I know. You're worried about TD to interception but ratio. There are balls. I mean, when you look at the all 22, like there are op- opportunities I mean, to, throw the, to throw the ball. To people that he doesn't pull the trigger on, and people get on Dak for missing easy throws. I mean, Aaron Rodgers missed some easy throws yesterday, yeah. like at the feet of people. And you just wonder, like, and this is a fear I have from Mahomes down the line. When you're so talented with your arm, and you don't, you still think you can sling it, and you don't, and you let go of the fundamentals just a little bit. Yeah, I think this becomes an issue. And I think him. you know, it, I, I've been critical of Tom Brady, Tom, you know, sis Tom, uh, you know, Izzy, but the. And I always say this when, when, you know, Patriots fans pop their whiteheads going fucking crazy because you call Tom Brady a system quarterback. It's a compliment. It's the it's the ultimate compliment. You've never once in his career really seen Tom Brady not play within the system. Never with, you know, injuries. Never with he doesn't have a defense. Never with. He doesn't have a weapons. Guy's retiring. He trusts that w- w- the scheme that Belichick has come up with is the one that has the best chance for success. So all of his accolades, all of his legacy, all of his championships, you never see Tom Brady go, well, I'm going to spin reverse. I'm going to throw off my back foot and just give, give, my, give Gronk a chance. It's never... I, I can honestly say this is like the you know the first 12 years of Dwight Howard's career. I was like, show me video of him taking a jump shot. Show me video of Tom Brady give, with a fuck it play. I, I literally can't remember one that wasn't, you know, the end of a half or the end of a game or a fucking, you know, Hail Mary situation. And that to me was, you know, my, you know, I know Andy wants – me, you know, me to answer for some sort of Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers comparison. And I, I'm not doing this as a way to like checkmate him. But what I hated about Aaron Rodgers first half, where I thought the Packers lost the game. He reminded me of Russell Wilson. He reminded me of a guy who was like, ah, go backwards, fucking chuck it. Blame the offense. Blame that we couldn't run the ball on first and second down. Yeah, their games do remind me of one another. And I think because you saw that with, um, you know, the, th- the big third down play. With uh, with Aaron Rodgers to Devontae, or fourth down play last week with that nice toss. You saw a similar play with Russell Wilson uh, to DK Metcalf with the Eagles. I I mean I personally lean towards closer to Andy, where I think Aaron, uh, Russell Wilson is closer to the Aaron Rodgers 2000 to the 2014 window, where I think he is great. I'd like to see him 
Russell Wilson with a team, with a coach and a scheme that puts him first and foremost instead of like this sort of conservative run plays. The Seahawks also don't run. They want to be run first, but they don't run with a sort of style that the, that the Niners do, like the creativity right. you know, pre-snap and things like that. So I personally like lean towards closer to what, what Andy, where Andy lies, but um, obviously we all agree Mahomes is in his own tier. And the last stat I want to give to you, Aaron Rodgers, uh, if NFL research is saying that uh, Niners is the number one pass defense according to yards gained, when Rodgers faced before this was before yesterday, when Rodgers goes against the number one pass defense, including playoffs, he's one and four, zero oh and four on the road, four TDs, four picks, and a seventy-two point two passer rating. So, you know, again, Aaron Rodgers was probably like my guy before Mahomes, like, right? But I think that you know, and this is the question that so many NFL teams have to start thinking about. It's like, yes, you can still win with Aaron Rodgers. But their starter has to a plan has to start being put in place for like three years from now. Do we have something? Right. Do we have you know? Well, let me ask happen? you this thing before we move on from sort of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers window. I know it's next year he's still on a team friendly deal. That's correct. And then the year after is like semi team like it's not team friendly. It's like fifteen million dollars or something it's like pretty that. Pretty big, yeah. But but it's not thirty five. No, it's not. I think it's twenty two. And, and then I think it's twenty two, maybe the year after, right, or something like that. Anyway, point being, whether it be next year, the year after, or I know, th- I know, three seasons from now, it it gets really bad, where it's it's completely back end. Um, but do you have any hope in the Packers window that year two with the floor, it gets a little bit more creative? Aaron, like, I guess the question of Aaron Rodgers' ego is with a year under the belt. An offseason under the belt. Is it possible for Lafleur to to show a little regression in Aaron Rodgers' ego? Be like, "Hey, man, come back down to earth. You're not MVP Rodgers anymore. Uh, I need you to stay a little bit more within the system. I need you to trust me." And then, obviously, Lafleur pretty, you know, pretty successful year one. On a on a wins loss, it's a very successful. You know, you get yeah. to the NFC Championship game yeah. in your first year. You t- you, be, you know, you turn the team around. Um, any opportunity for Lafleur to progress as a head coach in year two, and for Aaron Rodgers' ego to come back down to earth a little bit, and for those guys to meet in the middle and have a short, whether it be one or two year window, where you know before before. The shift goes the other way. I personally don't see it. And here's a couple reasons why. We talked about this. 2020, the cap hit is $21 million for Aaron Rodgers. Okay. 21 is 36. Right. 22 is 39. 23 is 28. It's a lot. So I see that being an issue, obviously. Um the LaFleur thing, I think we saw with Mariota, he had a better, you know, QBR last year. I just and also you're asking two big questions. Aaron Rodgers, look, we all watch like five of us watch The Bachelor, you know, you, you Bachelorette, you and I included. You know, his brother was a winner. I was, I was not a viewer during those his days. One, his brother was a winner of the Bachelorette or whatever. Yeah. And there's a big you know, if he my point is they have issues within the family. Right. Like, I need I, if I if I saw that where he's like, I'm willing to like resolve whatever problems I have, then I'd be like, anything's possible. Right. But right now, I feel like Aaron, Aaron's made it so far 
being this strong-minded. I just don't see him be like. Yeah. I just don't see him backing down or listening to a peer. I mean, I I mean, I I tend to agree with you yeah. just because like when in history has it happened? I mean, exactly. like you know, you look at like usually somebody has to bottom out for it to happen. Dwight Howard has to come to the Lakers and they go, look, we'll cut you if you don't just fucking rebound and play defense. And he's like, you know what? Twelve other teams have told me this. I didn't listen to them. I did end up getting cut. I'll do it for you. But like Aaron Rodgers hasn't really bottomed out. And uh unfortunately I think for the Packers, the lack of them bottoming out is you know, he re- he really felt like, oh, it's McCarthy, it's McCarthy, we're, you know, I just need not McCarthy. I yeah, I I really feel like it's a uh, uh an Aaron Rodgers ego problem. I mean he won he won on Jeopardy. Like he won on celebrity Jeopardy. Yeah. He you know, he dates celebrities. You know, he's getting to the conference finals. You know, the biggest thing that happened to Aaron Rodgers from a deficit standpoint was he didn't get drafted number one. He got by- bypassed by his favorite team, and he had to sit for a couple of years behind Brett Favre. You know, you, you would hope that he'd be able to, like, draw on that, like, similar to how Jordan would, like, fake create so, some problems. Yeah. But Brady has literally – you can say whatever you want about Brady being a system quarterback. He's been able to do that for his entire career. Yeah. Like, I was drafted 199. I know every quarterback drafted ahead of me. People don't believe me. People think Bel- Belichick's the guy. Like that will that will drive him until he retires. Right. So Aaron Rodgers needs to find something, but there's really never been anything to to to, to make that. Like you said, there's no bottom. The bottom out is a good point. I just don't see where he's like look upon myself, look within myself, and say, you know what, I'm part of the problem. Like we got to go more Aaron Jones. I don't know what it is. Like you can say we need, you know, we we need better guys at wide receiver but Devontae Adams is elite Jimmy Graham according to some stats was the as the most separation I has some some hands issues throughout the year but like I almost feel like uh besides family counseling Aaron Rodgers best chance is like an injury that keeps him from thinking he can do too much like didn't he have that for a while didn't he get didn't he have that one year he was out for a bunch of games yeah. yeah you're right I mean I think the window is Closed. closed. I think the window's closed. But, like, look, they made it to the conference. The only reason I finals. don't think the window is closed is because uh, who who is playing in the NFC Championship game next year? Okay, let's pencil the Niners back in again. Like, I don't think – is anybody is anybody alive comfortable saying, like, the Eagles will be there, no. the Cowboys will be there, the Seahawks will be there, the – I mean – who we ta- like? It's a very good who point. are we talking about in it's the a NFC? Very good point. And obviously, when you when you get to the NFC Championship game, you're one game away. Who are we talking? I mean, not not that I'm saying the Packers will be back there. I certainly wouldn't have a ton of confidence putting it on them either. But like, who it? You know, it's a very good. Is, point. is Daniel Jones next man up? I mean, th- there are some rumors swirling around today from Jason Lockenfora. Hearing a lot of buzz about Tampa as a possible landing spot for Philip Rivers. He moved. He moved permanently out of uh, San Diego. Yep. By the way, I would love that solely because James got to go somewhere else. James. I mean, the, the, we talked about this earlier, but the carousel, the quarterback carousel, is so interesting. And you and to put a button on the Packers, the one mainstay in the NFC is Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, they'll be good. But my other feeling is they're, they're not thirteen. They weren't thirteen and three good this year. Right. 
You know, they they got some lucky wins. They never had a defining win. They won ugly throughout the almost entire year. I said this on, on Twitter. They were outgained in yards for the year, and that is a probably the number one most true indicator of how good your team is. Outgained and outpointed. So there's some work to be done, but you're right. I mean, whenever – there's the, whenever the NFC has like the carousel, if the, if the Niners were to lose, you know, there's the Super Bowl losing curse. Like you don't come back to the playoffs next year. It could be like the Rams I, again. I, Who knows? I have, I have more faith in Matt LaFleur taking a leap as a coach and Aaron Rodgers, you know, having some sort of office space hypnosis done where he comes back as a, you know, a hungry rookie than I do Kirk Cousins putting it together for four straight playoff games. I'm glad you brought <laughs> you know Kirk Cousins I mean? up. Like, the Vikings need to find out. What's going on? The Vikings should be there. The Vikings are a good team. They have skill players. They have, you know, the quarterback is whatever the quarterback. They need to figure out if the quarterback's the quarterback or not. Because they also got there with Case Keenum. They should be well, let in me the a- Let me ask you a question right now. Because we, we, and Andy I, and I, I, you know, I forced him into doing it. I said, save it. We'll do it when you get back. But, like, well, right. I'll, I'm going to ask you. It's two-parter. Who wins the NFC North next year? Chicago Bears. Who wins the NFC North next year if Matthew Stafford is the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, the Minnesota Vikings. I'm a, I'm a. So Andy asked me my top five quarterbacks. I put uh, Stafford at five or six. I think Stafford I'm, I'm is a, extremely underappreciated. I agree. I, I, mean, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I couldn't agree. We both agree. So at the end of that conversation, Stafford should be playing on a better team. Let's move him. In, let's put him in the carousel. Yeah, free Matthew Stafford. Matt Patricia is not getting it done for you. This is another thing I have about you know uh, keeping teams or coaches around. Like, what is if, if they don't if they show you one year they're not going to do it, get them out of here. Let's just right. move them around. Eat some money. So what? Like you you only have so many years with a generational quarterback. What are you going to find another Matt Stafford lying on the street? Yeah. And and honestly, as a Giants fan, you know that's something that has never been, you know, the the Mara family signature move is to just like give up on a guy. And like I couldn't be happier that they were like, hey, Shermer ain't it? And like, is is fucking Joe Judge, Judge Joe Brown, it? I don't know, but like, I like that they go Shermer ain't it. I like the two. Get the fuck out of here. I like the two. And I, I, the Bears thing is like it's just a it's a it's a weird call. The reason I think the Bears could be good is because they were bad this year, but they were still eight and eight. Right. It wasn't like they were. It was like a lost. They weren't even very good. And Trubisky, who knows? Maybe they make a move off of him. I don't know. But to be like a, a sort of an afterthought and still be eight and eight, to me, feels like they've got a chance to do something. I'd like to see the Vikings make some moves. The the Giants are. Pro- I mean, the Packers will probably fall back to that nine and seven, ten and six. But you know, it's the seventh year in a row that a team with a bye has gone to the Super Bowl. So. That really shows you, like, yeah. the wild card's not, not enough. Right. Not enough right now. Um, okay. Uh, well, there. Are, you, are you happy? That was a deep dive. Uh, yeah, it's a deep dive. Are you, I mean, are you guys not entertained? We're an hour and 14 minutes in. We haven't even talked about the Super Bowl. I mean, we don't. We obviously have two weeks to talk about the yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll but slow like, play that. Let's do, let's do five to ten minutes on the this, this super early preview. The, the opening line. Uh, and just like your your gut reaction to these two teams facing each other, the opening line I believe, unless it's moved, was Chiefs minus one and a half. Correct? That, that's correct. Minus one, one and a half. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, well, interesting stat. There's a there's always a bet out there um, that um, you can play throughout the year, which is NFC versus AFC. And, and AFC was minus was pick 'em. 
AFC was picked this year. So if you want to get ahead of it, you would say, uh, oh, you think the Chiefs have a better shot against both those teams. It was wise to get ahead of it. Um, I think – I'm really excited. You, do, you and I talked about it. It's our number one choice for the Super Bowl. We yep. got it. We got two great teams, two great schemes. It's in Miami. You know, Miami used to be like an awesome, awesome uh, place for a Super Bowl, but it, I think it rained the last one or two times it's been yep. there. Yep. So we'll, just see, we'll see if weather plays a role. We got J Lo going out. So many prop bets for us. Always take we, the under. We, all, we always do a prop bet extravaganza. It's, it's my favorite podcast uh, sh- episode of the year for you guys. But um, I'm intrigued. I mean, I really, I really don't know do which th- way this do, is going to go. Do you on. think? Do you think the majority of the money will be on the Chiefs? I do. I, I heard that some experts say that they, they think that line might get to Chiefs minus three. Um, it, it makes me want to pick the Niners immediately. Like it makes me want to be on the Niners. Patrick Mahomes, like uh, uh, let's again, we're gonna keep it short. We have two uh, two weeks to break this down. But coaching, who are you giving the advantage to? I would say, honestly, I would say it's pretty even. But I gotta say, in game, you get you have to give it to Shanahan just because Reed has not shown us the ability to do these sort of late game closeout stuff. So it's very close. Now it is technically not a buy, but it's like Andy's. We Andy's got two weeks to prepare. That's a good point. Oh, oh and one in Super Bowls. That's correct. correct. But 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 in his defense, had to go against the best, right? To Pre- do it, pretty close. I'm, I'm with you. Pretty close. I think I'm leaning Shanahan. Quarterback, no brainer. Yeah. Running game, no brainer. Defense, no brainer. It's a it's it's a pretty even split. I agree. It's uh you know you've got you've got running game. And defense to the Niners, you've got quarterback and a landslide to the Chiefs, and you've got basically a, a pick 'em at at the coaching. Uh, I I would imagine that's why Vegas has got it at one and a half. It's it's it's, it's actually kind of uh, one and a half. One one and a half is a remarkable place to start. It almost seems like they started it there, knowing it would go to three. I think you're right. I think you're right. Sometimes I've watched some some lines flip through zero, and I always play those games. The famously, um, the Seattle uh, Seahawks were favored against the Broncos, and that flipped, and that ended up being a blowout. Same thing happened when the Broncos played the Panthers. Broncos were a favorite. Everyone jumped on Cam after that blowout game against the the Cardinals, and then the Broncos. Do you, have, ended up do you see any potential for a blowout on either side? Of course, I do. I mean, the, you, like. People that are younger than us have seen like a run of good Super Bowls. You and I were growing up, yeah. blowout city. Yeah, I mean, for years the games were terrible. So, Fifty point games, fifty five, fourteen, like yeah. forty. You know, I mean, Doug Williams going, you know, multiple touchdowns in the second quarter, like this. So, yes, I do think there's potential for a blowout. I mean, especially if you, with, if, with, if you look at the if you look at the mid eighties, you know, we had we had a couple of games in a row where we had the with Montana driving down against the Bengals. We had the Giants. Uh, you know, Scott and Norwood missed. Yeah. yeah. Prior to that, there was a couple blowouts, and then those cowboy. We had four Cowboys games that were essentially three. Three that were blowouts. Yeah, or sorry, four Bills games. Three of them were blowouts. You had um, uh, Marino got blown out by the Marino. Redskins. Marino got, got destroyed. Yeah. The Bears destroyed the Patriots. Yeah. The Giants destroyed uh, the, the Broncos. Broncos. Yeah. The Redskins ended up destroying the Broncos. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals, like you said, was a was a close one. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, it, but then, yeah, you had Steve Young blew out the Chargers. Yeah. You had you had those four Bills games in a row. The only one that was a game was the Giants game. Yep. 
Then you had the Niners. Yeah, we had we had a we had a long run there for a while where we didn't have good football games. Absolutely. And also, you know, we've seen it with Mahomes. Mahomes has made these games fun because they've been a deficit. But like he also scored fi- the final score ended up being fifty one thirty one against the Texans and thirty five twenty four against the Chiefs. So there's also a potential to run away with it. And we come to that situation again where let's say the Chiefs get ahead. Do we think Garoppolo has the chance to kind of right. put them back in that situation? It, it, it seems like the Chiefs aren't going to get ahead. Like, this doesn't seem like that's yeah. their thing, you know? And uh, if 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 there's anything you can sort of count on Shanahan, it's like those, fir- those scripted 15. He's the first coach where I watch their offense, and I've said this for years. It's like, it's like Seinfeld's joke, why don't you make the whole plane out of the black box? Why don't you script the whole game? Like, like, is there is there some sort of scientific thing that like quarterbacks and offenses like fifteen is the magic number that they are able to uh, memorize in in like in in two, with two weeks to prepare? Can we script the first thirty? Yeah. Like, yeah. But Shanahan's the first offense where it seems like, in a in a way, it's all very scripted. Um, yeah. I'm. This is we, we like we said. This is our our Super Bowl hope. Who feels younger to you, Sean McVay or a Shanahan? Shanahan doesn't he? Not. It's the yeah. flat bill thing. It's sort of like the I'm just like this. I I I, I have some info on that. Have some intel on that hat Give it too. To me. Uh, that hat's a one of a kind. Like he designed his own Niners. Like you can't. Maybe you can now, but it was not a. It was not sideline gear. My uh, my friend with the Giants was like, I love Shanahan's hat. Can I get a Giants hat that's just a small patch with the Giants logo on it they're like this is a Shanahan thing so and and he rides it he rides it so he hard like, I know what what I want my hat to look like give it to me and I'll wear it forever probably has a hundred of them just yeah. sitting around but the hat that I know that you want desperately is the Rob Lowe NFL hat you know it when you want to root for both sides and you always come out a winner grab the Rob Lowe NFL hat well you know I'm 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 interested to see is is it where is the Super Bowl is on Fox? That's correct. So Rob Lowe with nine one one Lone Star will be there. I'm interested to see if Rob Lowe goes out on a limb and wears a conference hat for the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's just gonna be a giant football. Yeah, stitched onto his hat. Just the blue N. <laughs> like is he go, he's exactly. like, I'm not supporting the Niners, but I am here for the NFC. It's unbelievable. Rob Lowe is yeah. You know he was a big injury. He was like he was like the leaker of uh, of the the cult stuff for a yeah. while. So. Yeah. Now, uh, we do have some f- more football news to get into before we do some brief basketball to get out of here. But before we talk about Jason Garrett named offensive coordinator Ooh. of the New York Giants, before we do that, nothing makes me no, like nothing makes me want to do the ad read for this company like the idea that Jason Garrett named offensive coordinator for the Giants is on deck. We have a new sponsor here on the Dirty Sports Podcast. Feels. Feels is a mail-to-your-house premium CBD company. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Feels naturally helps you reduce stress, which could be caused by your offense coordinator being Jason Garrett, anxiety, which could be caused by the same thing, pain, which could be caused by that, and sleeplessness. All of these things are the reasons that I have been taking feels. That, combined with my uh, severe knee injury, we got some feels here at the Dirty Sports when, when they signed on as a sponsor, and I've been taking it regularly, again, for my chronic knee pain and because Jason Garrett is 
the new offense coordinator of the New York Giants. New to CBD, Fields offers a free CBD hotline and text message support to help guide your personal experience. Fields works naturally to help you feel better. There's no high, hangover, or addiction. Join the Fields community to get Fields delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order, and you can pause or cancel at any time. Feels has me feeling my best every day, and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash dirty sports, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash dirty sports to become a member and get 50% off automatically taking off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash dirty sports. Guys, if you're a listener of the Dirty Sports Podcast, I'm sure I have a feeling you know uh, the, the, what CBD is and uh, how it how it you know breaks down. A lot of people, the, there's a lot of um, sort of misinformation out there about CBD, but feels we're excited to have them because they have a hotline. You can call, get all the real information. Navigating the world of CD, CBD can be complicated. At Feels, we look to make the process as simple as possible so you can start feeling better sooner. Tug, I'm not going to lie. I took Feels pre-show. We're an hour and 24 minutes in. My knee has not been a problem. The anxiety and the sleeplessness of Jason Garrett being the Giants offense coordinator has not hit me until right now that it comes up. I, I think I need a couple more drops under my tongue of feels before we get into this story. Um, we all thought about you immediately when this happened. I became uh, very excited to talk to you about it. And we can commiserate. We might, might want to drop feels together. Yeah, yeah. This is traumatic. <laughs> Dropping feels. <laughs> exactly. I'm all up in my feels. Exactly. Um, so I don't think anybody is surprised to hear. Not excited about the hire. Um, I think it is a, um, uh, I don't want to say it's a terrible hire, but I just think it's a very uninspired hire. Um, I know Jason Garrett has many friends in the giant organization, beloved by the giant organization. The thing that bothers me and, and look, I think Jason, I, my anger level on a scale from one to 10 would have been 40 if he had been hired as the New York Giants head coach. My anger level on a scale from one to 10 that he's hired as offense coordinator somewhere at like a six or a seven simply because there's, I, I think Jason Garrett and his personality, there's only so much damage he can do here as opposed to if he was the head coach. But the problem, my biggest problem with this hire is Jason Garrett wasn't calling the plays for the Cowboys. Hasn't called plays since 2011. At no point has Jason Garrett been talked about at, 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 ever in his career as some sort of, offensive, you know, mastermind, genius, been on the cutting edge. Um, really, until this year, in in the entirety of Jason Garrett's Cowboys coaching career, the Cowboys haven't really stood out as an exceptional offense. Um, and, and even that, everybody, Kellen Moore was retained as the Giants, or as the Dallas offense coordinator, and Jason Garrett was let go. I just don't see him as the league moves in directions where it just, you know, the innovation. Two teams that are very innovative offensively are about to play in the Super Bowl next week. Just seems really like a poor decision to have the most pedestrian, boring 
guy is in charge of your offense. I agree. I mean, like, look, I'm as a Cowboys fan, it was t- more than time for Garrett to be gone. You know, it's similar to how I feel like I don't know what you're doing. Like, what if you're quality controlling as the coach? I feel like that was no longer successful. Um, you, you're, you're right that he doesn't call plays. He doesn't call plays in 2011. You know, and, and what, one move that people want to do is this sort of like sidestep move. Was like, let's bring in a young guy, but let's bring in a, a stabilizing veteran presence to kind of show people the ropes. This is such a Gettleman. Gettleman sort of like is kind of seen, Dave Gettleman, the, the GM for the Giants, is sort of seen as like one of the last bastions of like old school old football. School hard ass. Not going full-fledged yeah. into analytics yeah. Very and things like to that. Deal with. Yeah, my way or the highway kind of thing. So it makes total sense to me that he brings in Jason Garrett because it's belief like we're going to go with this young upstart Joe Judge and, you know, he's a special teams guy. And we're going to put these sort of senior figures the veterans around. veterans yeah. around. Like, build him a cabinet, so to speak, and have him, like, it just doesn't really work. I think you just got to go balls out. Like, yeah. this is kind of why I thought, like, with even Saquon Gettleman Barkley, was With Daniel Jones, where you you, you have, uh, again, not that I love a quarterback that's going to be all running around like crazy, but, like, he at least has that mobility. That's part of the his game that you can use for the next couple of years. Saquon Barkley, I mean, they're talking about, the, the, the report was, Witten is coming with him. Or, 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 why are we like downshifting our offense into some sort of prehistoric? Let's let's run off tackle and throw five yard outs to Jason Witten. Um, for for what? You have Saquon Barkley. I mean, I think that like, should be the focus of your offense. Well, this is a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense because. You know, these guys are coming. The rookie deal, as soon as they become, they come on, the clock starts ticking. Now you're ticking times two because you have Daniel Jones, the first-round pick, and Saquon. You're going to have to pay one of them, probably both of them. And then, like, <laughs> you bring in a new coach. But, I mean, get, get, I feel like you should have just cleaned house. They did a nice job by getting rid of Shermer when he was supposed to, but they should have gotten rid of Gellman, too. And it said, like, let's just go revamp. Let's just go full-fledged, state-of-the-art, young. But they didn't do that. So, like, I'm interested to see – how, you know how how much say is Joe Judge going to get when he has like the old guard up above him, right? And also off, offensive coordinator guy, yeah. sort of like being like a, the check and balance for whatever innovative pros, prospects that Joe Judge wants to bring. So I, I don't. I'm not like I. By the way, again, let me state once again. I hate it. I hate Fair. it. I hate it. But I'm not like oh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. I feel like it's just so fucking safe in a way like like on paper it's safe but like also it's going to mean that their offense is like not brilliant and not horrific um at the same time it's like i just like i want i i almost want somebody that was going to come in and say like hi i'm the saquon barkley whisperer i am here to turn saquon barkley into uh marshall falk I, he's going to be in the passing game. He's going to be in the running game. This whole offense is going to be built around our one special player that is better than anybody else at his position, and uh, that's what we're going to do here. Uh, the whole Chiefs offense is like, wow, we have this guy now who can throw the ball from any angle as far as we want. We're going to build an offense with speed. Like, I want a guy. Like, It just seems like Jason Garrett has none of that in him. I couldn't agree more. I mean, maybe, maybe they see the fact that, like, is you know, Zeke was had so productive. Maybe they, you know, there's some ties to that. Um, but there's a guy, you know, Todd. We Monk, don't have we don't have the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. No, 
No, but you're going to have another, you know, high draft pick. Maybe get a, a lineman in there. Todd Munkin is a name that he went back to be the offensive coordinator for Georgia. But he was like, he did really well for Tampa Bay two years ago. Came over to be the offensive coordinator for a Kitchens in Cleveland. And Kitchens would never turn the keys over to him. So this is a name for all of us to kind of just circle years from now. Todd Monken. Uh He's going to go to Georgia. Probably like, you know, maybe this is what he's thinking. I'm going to be a stud offense coordinator in, uh, you know, prominent college offense. And yeah. then I'll become – and then I'll come snag me. Yeah. I'll become the coach. I'll become like the, the, the Matt Rule or whatever for Baylor. But I agree. I mean, the, the one thing I can guarantee you is going to happen, I can guarantee you two things. He's going to really bring that Princeton alumni base up to East Rutherford <laughs> coming every Sunday to watch those games. Yeah, those Princeton <laughs> guys that love football. <laughs> and number two, they're going to beat the Cowboys probably once or twice. Yeah, next oh, year. Is, is Tommy Dewey jumping on board? Is he's he, 100%. Is, is he a Giants fan? Tommy Dewey he's, is now a he's big. Been out of the pro football that's realm. That's right. He was on Alabama only, but now he saw one of his alums. The bat signal was the, the, the giant orange P was flashing to the sky. But I, I guarantee you this he's going to beat. He's going to beat the Cowboys next year, and they're going to do some sort of like carry him on their shoulders, Gatorade bath. It's going to be un- the Giants are going to be five and eleven with two wins against the Cowboys, and he's going to see as- be seen as a hero. Oh, that feels is still around. Is there- can we get that feels <laughs> yeah, in there? Yeah, give me a feels. Um, I thought we were going to be uh, sort of desperate for content today, but we're an hour and thirty minutes in. I love it. Oh, being an hour and thirty minutes in, and obviously not desperate for content. Do we just skip? Darrell Revis versus Oh, Sherman? yeah, that was fun. Or I mean, is that, like, I was like, man, this is something we could put on the rundown if we need it. I mean, I, I, I feel like this is one of those uh, both guys are right situations. Like, Darrell Revis is like, hey, real corners, follow the best receiver around and lock them down. And Sherman's never been that guy. And uh, Richard Sherman's like, have fun on your couch, buddy. How was your year nine when you were – garbage and he's on his couch and his year nine was you know not as not quite as garbage as Richard Sherman makes it out to seem but like certainly wasn't Revis Island in year nine the thing that I'm most amazed about uh, by is that does Sherman like finish a game and just go just type in Richard Sherman on Twitter like yes his, like or does he have people working for him and he has people that are he has watching. people 100% working the Twitter feed saying like Anything bad about me, send it to me. It's I, crazy. Honestly, it's funny because at the end of that game, I almost tweeted it, uh, but I didn't because I was like, uh, I don't have the energy. But the Rodgers pass that was intercepted by Sherman, I almost was like, man, if I was a quarterback and I'm just going to take a shot and there's a you know 40% chance it's going to get intercepted, I'm going to do it on any guy except Richard Sherman because now he gets his free pick. That now he gets to do his post game. Everybody doubted me. Yeah. Look, I'm still here. Like six years to the day or whatever that his tip ended the NFC Championship game. It's like the only guy I'm not giving the chance for that game clinching interception is Richard Sherman. I'm like I just don't want to hear it. I love I love the Revis Sherman thing because you know usually once once you retire you sort of pay res- your respects and. This is this didn't happen at all. Yeah. Like, I mean it's not, I mean it's, obviously there's some beef, but like they weren't even the same conference they didn't play against each other yeah. it's very weird I and, mean, and I, again i feel like both people are kind of right and and like it's almost like why do you guys even have it is very petty by revis to just be like i'm on my couch watching football i'm just gonna like screen grab richard Sherman and call him out for not covering guys it's like he never has yeah 
Oh, my, my favorite tweet yesterday was a fun a fun follow is uh, Patrick Doherty for NBC. Um, and you know, you know, it was just like a picture of a wall with a TV. And he goes, what is that, a TV for ants? <laughs> so that was a very funny Zoolander reference because it was like a, just a small shot of Sherman. It was weird. So we, it was a weird tw- tweet for, for, for Revis. We're going to do two quick basketball uh, chats. We'll do a quick NBA trade talk and some college basketball. Thank God I have you here, Tug. But mm-hmm. before we do that, support for this episode of Dirty Sports also comes from Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Tug, I know uh, you noticed when I walked in, I've got the uh, compression sure pants did. on today. Uh, somebody told me the, comp- the the compression pants would be good for my blood flow and my knee. I put them on, and uh, my girlfriend lost her mind. This has changed the course of her life. She's now like some sort of compression pants stan. She's out looking at compression pants. She's exploring compression pants, hashtag compression pants. And I got to say, the one thing about these compression pants, never knew, I've never worn them before, never knew what to think. I'm pretty happy that I'm manscaped. I'm not sure I'd be comfortable in compression pants if I was going with un, an unmanscaped nether region. It's 2020, and you know what that means. New year, new me, new balls. Man, listen up. Hairy bushes are so 2019. If you're going to pick any New Year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming product. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just dirty. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code DIRTY at manscaped.com. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And I got to say, as a person who has been living in compression pants for three days, I am super happy that I have anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. As I said, you can get 20% off and free shipping with code DIRTY. That's D-I-R-T-Y at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use promo code DIRTY. Tug, is anything about this Blazers-Kings trade jump out of you as especially exciting? Seems like a bit of a punt to me by the Blazers shedding contracts. Um, And I don't know what – I'm not really sure what the Kings are doing. I mean, it's a a whatever. I mean, let's just be honest. I think what's interesting, more more interesting, that the – there might be several teams – Sub five hundred getting in the playoffs in the West. Yeah, so something we haven't seen in a long, long time out of the West. Long time, and I think that you know the the Blazers are basically firmly in that sort of trying to get in, trying to get in, but they're four or five games under five hundred right now. The NBA came out hot this year, straight up until the unofficial start in Christmas, taking a bit of a dip here. Uh, the story, the NBA story of the day, besides the Kings Blazers trade, is that LeBron watched his son play in a tournament in Springfield, Massachusetts, then hopped a chopper for his game in Boston tonight, Celtics Lakers. Um, the Blazers are 18 and 26 right now. Yes. And they're 11th. I can't believe Carmelo Anthony didn't turn around that team. Who could, who could have seen that yeah. coming? Right now, the, uh, the, the Grizzlies, the John Morant led Grizzlies are in eighth place at 20 and 22. Love John Morant. The Spurs are 18 and 23. And the Phoenix, uh, uh, 
Phoenix and the Blazers are 18-24, 18-26. And Zion Williamson returning for the Pelicans soon. That's correct. The only sort of exciting thing happening below the line. They started terribly, and they've turned it around. And we should talk about this. I mean, they do have a player that, that some some people on this, this couch have uh, – not well, today. Well, not on this couch today. Not today. Not today. But have like the, the, the announce yeah. is terrible. Yes, and they did. Brandon score. Ingram yep. was, I mean, skewered by Andy Ruther. Terrible, bust was used multiple times. Bust. Ruther bump is that the Ruther curse? This, I, yeah, it's like when a, when Ruther hates somebody and then they go off. Is that the Ruther? Is that the Ruther curse? He's like he's cursed them. He's reverse cursed. I know you guys have sponsors, but soon you're going to have like agents calling you and say, hey, can Ruther like trash our player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real fast. yeah exactly. <laughs> that would be great. It's like the, yeah, it's like the Madden, the Madden curse. Like, can, whatever you do, can you make sure Andy Ruther just like thinks, says our guy is going to suck his whole career? <laughs> I mean, the, the, you're right, though, about the dip. Because, and a lot of it's because the, the, the NFLs you know, get the focus going there, which is like this is the time we want to shine. Uh, and and we've seen the 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 breaks being hit on the in game tournaments. Yeah, which you and I have been trying to wrap our head around how to make this. The idea seems interesting, but it just seems like how how is this going to work? Seems like they're trying to do too much at once here. Yeah. Then like reshuffling the playoff seating. My problem with the reshuffled playoff seating or like the one big tournament or the one thing uh, it has always been, if you're still going to play conferences and you're still going to play divisions if somebody still gets to play the Knicks five times a year four times a year whatever the Sixers get to play the Knicks you know um, how is it fair then for them to be judged on an overall you know record versus another team like like at least split it up to the you know keep it conferences and conferences all play the same amount of games against each other but if you're still going to have division play it's not fair to be in a team in a division with teams that are just trash and you get some sort of record boost, um, and then they reshuffle you. Um, any thoughts? I mean, the, the Knicks have been bad. Yeah. But are, are there young guys any, any good? Like, I mean, and now Barrett's on crutches, yeah. and uh, it's just it's just such a long way from having like a viable, you know, winning situation. Makes me so mad. Um, Doug, we'll, we'll wrap it up here with college basketball. Um, six ranked teams lose on Saturday all by double digits that's the most that's ever happened in one day six ranked teams all losing uh all losing double digits losses honestly majority of them kind of blowout losses uh what Tug Coker state of the union uh NCAA men's basketball absolutely crazy bonkers year I mean, we talked about this the other time I remember bringing this up we talked about like all the early season losses that had happened to start the year Kentucky losing at home Michigan State losing Duke losing twice. Now we fast forward to now Duke losing twice in the last week to a good Louisville team, but also to Clemson. And you know this is the first time I looked to the rankings. And this is a, you know about this time last year I said like let's focus on UVA, kind of surprising the world and avenging their uh, sixteen uh, versus one seed loss, and you know making them really bankable as national championship hopefuls. This year is crazy. I mean like. I said this off camera, but like Baylor is number one with uh, Scott Drew at the helm. I, I just cannot believe I would take them for real. I just can't do it. Uh, Gonzaga at number two, which uh, you know a team that always seems to be lingering, um, have had chances made to the finals the past couple of years. Then we have Kansas, which is you know a stalwart. San Diego State, Florida State, Louisville, 
Dayton. Dayton. Duke Villanova Seton Hall. Love it. Pirates. Wow. Pirates. Seton Hall. Back back to the 1989 I spe- days. I spent, some, I spent some days in West Orange in my time. I mean, that team, yeah, they lost in overtime to, to, to go blue Michigan. But, I mean, this year's – you look at the other teams in here. I mean, West Virginia's in here. Auburn's in here. You know, Butler, Oregon, who I, li- I like the Oregon guard a lot, who just had a nice game winner. You know, Oregon's one of those teams I don't want to play in the, um, in the tournament because I think they they always uh, have a good scheme and good coach. And when you say you don't want to play Michigan, Any, anyone anyone that I'm rooting for have money <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah. I don't want it to be uh, playing against Oregon. So, I mean, the first look is there's one undefeated team left, San Diego State. Is Steve Fisher still coaching? No, now? he's no, no longer he's gone, there. Right? Yep. But maybe this is the it's just the continued you know resurgence of Kawhi. Yeah. Everything Kawhi touches is turning to gold right now. We'll see if the Clippers can you know follow suit. Anyone's game this year. I mean, Texas Tech is well coached. They're ranked 18th. The one team that's disappointing right now is obviously Virginia. You know, they just can't get any scoring. No ability to, like, they haven't really found, you know, three, two first-rounders left last year and a second-rounder. They haven't found anyone to kind of fill Not quite the Duke-Kentucky style of reloading. There's no reloading going on, yeah. And, you know, and Michigan was another team that started off so strong, and they've kind of, you know, flattened out a little bit. It's tough to get wins in the Big Ten, and they're not doing it right now, so... I mean, you have, you have Michigan State was a team in the Final Four last year at 11. My point is this. This is going to be crazy. Michigan got blowed out by Purdue recently. Michigan State. Yeah, Michigan yeah, State, yeah, sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and Kentucky is a team that's ranked 15th right now. I mean, it's anybody's game. Auburn's a Final Four tourney from last year back in the top 25. Nick, I mean, you basically just graduated. I know your ears are on the, uh, you know, on the ground about what's going on in college hoops. What what are your thoughts? Sorry, what's uh, what's going on in college hoops? I I, I, I Thank, pay no turn, turn the mic turn the mic back down. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nick. <laughs> what's going on in college hoops? Nick, uh, before we go, do we have any uh, comments, yes. criticisms, critiques, comments? Uh, yes, uh, I know Andy Ruther is probably in the comments with the Andy Ruther is not in the what's now be deemed the hashtag dirtball comments section. Okay, um, guys, subscribe to our YouTube channel, turn on the post noties, and then you too can be part of the dirtball comment section. Wow, um, look at this! Our first question comes from Stanga. Uh, so Prano and Ruther both wear yoga pants now. When is Tug going to join the party? It's a really good question. I mean, is there a sponsor? I'll wear anything for the sponsors of the show, but there's not. So um, I'm going to say. Has been in yoga pants recently as well? I'm not sure. But He's definitely in sweats. Definitely in. Yeah. There's sweats multiple episodes sure. of him in sweats. I mean, neither one of us are. We're too big to do the, the Andy Ruther curl up. Yeah. yeah. We both have like both feet up on the couch. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do the Andy <laughs> Ruther curl up again. Yeah. And honestly, I've never. In, in, I've, I've seen this look through, you know, this is something that's taken the NBA by storm Absolutely recently. Has. And like the compression band. Somebody said it's really good if you're if you've got a lot of swelling. And and honestly, this is a this is a medical you know, I took an approach here for medical reasons, but I gotta say, guys, the the effect that it has had on my girlfriend is she is slip sliding around her apartment. I'm following around with a mop and bucket when <laughs> I, when she sees me in these fucking in these uh, in these yoga pants. So uh, look, if you got a girlfriend, guys, uh, show up in some of these compression pants. Apparently, it'll do. It's it's not just for uh, your blood flow. I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Next question comes from Kyle Arnofsky. Can the NFL gain more interest for the Pro Bowl, or should they just stop doing it? 
I almost feel like the NFL doesn't want interest in the like. I feel like the NFL has just the right amount of interest in the Pro Bowl. Like it's just something that garners like mild interest and keeps people that are like loose football fans from like completely abandoning shit before the Super Bowl. It's like, it, I mean, have you ever watched a Pro Bowl? I've, I don't think I've watched a Pro Bowl since I was like. 12. Exactly. It's been years. But I will say this. I don't think they're going to get rid of it for a couple reasons. One, agents build these things into people's contracts. Yeah. Like these are part of base salaries. It's like, oh, it's an incentive to get the Pro Bowl. So that's reason for, for, for people to keep having the Pro Bowl around, at least the NFL. And two, it still rates. Like it doesn't do massive numbers that the NFL games do. But like on a yeah. Sunday when there's nothing else on, it still brings in four or five million people. I gotta say, the one thing that I cannot believe has not become a part of the Pro Bowl weekend and the Pro Bowl experience. Do you remember the old quarterback challenge that they did in like oh, yeah. the Bahamas, and the quarter the the footballs had like, uh, you know, billiards chalk on the front and they were hitting moving targets they, they, they did bring this back i think not too long ago but, but just like go for the like don't overthink it go to the exact old style yeah. with guys driving golf carts with targets attached to it they had literally i remember back in the day it was it was like marino elway montana it was like all the fucking great guys and it was so much fucking fun like the the, the all-star game you get the home run derby like i need this quarterback challenge i need it well, if, if they don't have it, if they do have it now, they need to showcase it more. Yeah. Because I remember seeing Russell Wilson in one recently, but but yeah, I agree. I, need to just, I just need the, the, the f- more skills challenges. Old sure. format. Just yeah. bring me back. Give me the old format. We have one last one. Uh, one last one. We just want to hear a little Kittle and Kelsey comparison. Is this the Spider-Man meme happening in the Super Bowl between Kittle and Kelsey? I mean, I think uh, – I know Travis Kelsey has sort of been the the – premier tight end in football the last few years i think uh if you look at the andy reed offense um not that not that kelsey isn't a fantastic tight end but it just seems like you know even the even the andy reed coaching tree seems like every like oh Ertz, oh look out for dallas goddard like uh the the guys who play in that system tend to get a ton of opportunities kittle from his blocking to his uh, ability after the catch to just shed people, I think Kittle is the premier tight end in football right now. Um, but Kelsey is certainly uh, statistically, and you know the way he fits into that offense with Mahomes. Um, I mean, he's on his way to the Hall of Fame. I think both of them are I don't, like. Would I like either one of them if I was in room with them? They, would they both annoy me? I feel like Kelsey for sure would. <laughs> Kelsey but, at one point had a, a rea- he had basically his own version of the Bachelor on yeah, E. Yeah, Kelsey, for, you'd I'd for sure hate Kelsey. Yeah. Kittle, at first I was like, oh, and then like his hair the last couple of weeks, I'm like, what is this looking? I think going? Kelsey is like some sort. Of, you like it's funny the tight end position is they bring in all the crazies, yeah. right? Like because Gronk, Gronk was like the fun, fun guy. He was like yeah. an innocent, like you could put him on network television. And then, and then Aaron Hernandez, the opposite of innocent, <laughs> not innocent, very guilty. I mean, there should be like a Mar- like a Marvel comics for tight ends. Yeah, like there's just a, cr- a bunch of crazies. Yeah, all Hernandez, all, all kind Gronk. of superhero vibes yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, all yeah. like bi- superhero builds. Yeah, like they're yeah. all Thors. They're all Thors. I mean, this would be like we should. This should be the SNL sketch. All these guys are in a room. I mean, Kittle just it seems borderline scary. 
Kelsey is just uh, you know erratic, but like you know he's also a guy that's like checks has people checking his uh, social media for him. But to, but to talk about on field performance, I mean I think Kittle might be the more complete tight end. I mean obviously everyone talks about how, how well good of a blocker he is and yeah. his ability to run through people, but I mean, you just the security blanket that that Kelsey is from Mahomes, you just can't. And also just the way that you know he's a security blanket, but he's also like he's like a. He's a he's a crazy weapon that's also a check down from like insane weapons. Yeah, you know, I love this. Uh, I love this like comic book thing of, of tight ends. But uh, the two it makes me think of one other last point: Manny Sanders getting traded, going to the, the Niners, getting yep. off the Broncos, going to the Niners. Yep. So that's kind of a cool win for him. The other thing I was going to bring up is Terrell Suggs got waived by the Cardinals. One, you know. Openly said, I want to go back to Baltimore. Yeah. Got claimed by the Chiefs. Now has to settle for playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Probably, I'm really sorry, buddy. pretty stoked. <laughs> yeah. I'm bummed for you. Um, since, since Thor and Superheroes came up, I got to throw a little shout-out to my – did you see what Noah Syndergaard was doing down here in the South Bay this weekend? No. He was playing volleyball on the beach with, like, an 80-pound medicine ball. What? Yeah, like he was out on the. It was some. It was like literally some fucking Thor shit. He was out on the beach with like a bunch of other like jacked dudes, shirtlessly throwing around like an eighty-pound medicine ball over a volleyball net. They were playing volleyball with an eighty-pound medicine ball. It was. But it was more like nuke them, right? Like they're catching it. Yeah. And throwing it back yeah, over. Yeah. 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 Dude, that's amazing. Yeah, insane. Well, uh, but last thing. Another guy who you're like seems like fun dude. Would I like him? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to know as you're kind of resting up. You tweeted this out the other day. Things that you're watching. Quick 60 second review on the shows you've been into. So uh, the first one I got into when I got suggestions, Brockmeyer. I'd, I'd had it on my radar for a while. It's now available on Hulu. I watched the whole first season of Brockmeyer. Liked it. Wasn't like psycho about it, but like liked it. I'll give it a B plus. A B. A nice solid B plus for uh, you know hydrocodone. <laughs> In between hydrocodone naps, like two 22-minute episodes, pass out for a minute. Really fun, funny. Um, you know, I'm a baseball guy, so, like, all poor baseball scenes. Like, I get it. It's supposed to be dumb and fun, but, like, ba- bad baseball scenes always kill me. So that's, like, I shouldn't be holding that against Brock Meyer. It's hard but to. But I am. It's hard, really hard to. Um, uh, a lot of good cameos from other uh, sports guys. Joe Buck. The, they had the Kirk Jen in there. Um, it was fun. Amanda P is great. I liked it. Um, will I continue on to season two? I think I watched the first episode of season two. I'm going to have a lot of bedtime, a lot of recovery. I'll probably get through Brockmire. And then um, I didn't really get to do that much. And then I got a lot of the suggestions people gave me are things I'd already watched. You know, uh, the amount of people that were like Peaky Blinders. It's like, guys. How have you missed that I've yeah. watched every episode of Peaky Blinders the second it came out? That I'm like, I had somebody ship me a British DVD player and like the <laughs> BBC copies so I could watch Peaky Blinders early. Um, I, I I think Gamora is on the is is lingering because okay. I think I watched one episode back in the day and liked it, and then I started last night The Outsider on HBO uh, and caught up on the first three episodes of that. Wild at first, it seems like it's going to be a uh, it seems like it's going to be a, um, just like every single thing is these days. Somebody's dead. Who did it? True Detective. Every podcast out there. Um, but there's three episodes in. There's definitely some sort of paranormal something happening. Um, not to spoil it too much. 
and uh, I like that. So I haven't gotten into a lot. I'll I will get dive back into everybody's suggestions. Uh, maybe I'll make a, a list of the suggestions, cross out things I've already seen, and maybe rank where what we're going to go to next. I'm assuming yeah. you've done Barry, you've done Succession. Uh, yeah, Barry. Most of the HBO stuff, Barry, yeah. Succession, Silicon Valley, all that stuff, yeah. I take out. Yeah. I, I give most HBO stuff a chance right out of the gate, and I either bail on it or I don't. Well, that's what's amazing about HBO. It's like yeah. they've developed such a pedigree. Love it's Barry. Like, yeah. Love Succession's unbelievable. Me too. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Well, good luck. I know. I know you're Thank going. Thank you. If you have any suggestions for me, I will. I know Still waiting going. for now. We're talking season two. Oh, guys! I'll, I'll get a screener. Well, yeah, I'll, get, I'll send it to you. And more lawyer conversations this week. I'm going to start posting once a month on the, uh, the first of the month. The now we're talking update. I want this to be the biggest show that no one has ever seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tug, uh, where can everybody find you? What should people be looking for? Yep. Tug Coker on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, got, got a show coming up that I acted on um, coming out February, mid-February. I'm excited about that. So check my Instagram for some of the pictures I took on that. I take a lot of pictures from Dirty Sports today. I'll be posting on those on Instagram as well. Uh, but I want to say this. Andy's coming back. I've had a blast uh, being here. But uh, I do it because I love Joe, love Andy, and I love uh, talking to the dirt balls. So thank you to you and Andy for having me on. And um, I'm always happy to help you guys. I mean, this it. this episode proved a rule. We th- we thought we were light on comments, or we thought we were light on content. If it's the Twin Towers, it's gonna be two hours. That's <laughs> that's that's the rule. Uh, Nick, you're on Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. Nick Dale with four A's on Instagram. Nick D'Alessandro nine on TikTok. <laughs> I don't post anything, but if you guys want to send me your funny videos, I'm always down for a little TikTok DM convo. At Andy Ruther on all social media. Follow our boy. He returns this week. Can't wait for uh, Andy's return. I'm at Fix Your Life on Twitter. Joe Prano on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. It's all that matters. And uh, go to JoePrano.com to check to see if I'm still doing shows in your neighborhood, which I am if you are in Colorado, Aspen, or Boulder, uh, if you're in Birmingham, Alabama, if you're out in the Palm Springs area, a bunch of other shows, JoePrano.com. Go there, and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Send us a screenshot of that, and Andy will get back and start sending out koozies again. And, of course... The most important thing to never forget, stay dirty.